This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Showtime on a Thursday afternoon coming off a big win for the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson. Michael Remus is along for the ride. We've got a great show coming up for you. Lots of hockey talk and a lot of other things to get to as well today. Darren Haynes in Calgary is going to jump on in about 45 minutes. We'll find out what the heck is going on with the Calgary Flames. Perfect time to have Darren on as the Jets and Flames will begin three games in four nights tomorrow night in the Saddle Dome after the Jets have bounced back from those two regulation losses in Edmonton with back-to-back regulation wins in Vancouver. Um, and we'll have, uh, you know, we've had so much fun and such great feedback on a little 1290 reunion week. We continue that today. The brains of the big show, as I like to call him, Brandon Rewicki, will be with us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Can't wait to have Brandon on. We'll talk Jets. We'll find out what's going on with the god-awful Flyers that he seems to like so much, as well as talk about um, his foray into podcasting with the Skates and Plates podcast, which is a great, great project. If you haven't seen that, make sure to check it out. Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily brought to you by our great sponsors, Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway, and Boston Pizza Winnipeg. Um, of course, Breezy Bend will be getting into golf reports with Breezy coming up beginning uh, next week. Cannot wait for that. Um, speaking of Boston Pizza, I may as well mention this right off the bat. Just popped in there. For lunch beforehand, Andrew Shevchuk filled me in like today is the day that the Call Your Shot promo begins. Um, you pop into any Boston pizza or frankly take out delivery, however you want to do it. The pizza flights, check out the Twitter video I did. Three mini pizzas, whatever kind you want, three dips. Uh, it's only $18.99. You'll get entered to win um, instant Boston pizza gift cards. They're doing a grand prize of a Custom built backdoor outdoor backyard outdoor rink for next year, or a VIP NHL experience. So that's all there. Boston Pizza right now begins today, and I can tell you the pizza flights were absolutely awesome. Blew me away how good they were. Pretty big too. A perfect thing to sit down at the bar, get with a couple buddies. Uh, when of course we can do that all together. Let's bring in Michael Remus to get things going. Remo, what's good, my man? Us, I'm feeling great here on a Thursday. What a week it's been for the Jets. What a week for uh, Andrew Kopp and that third line. Two games against Vancouver. I almost wish the Jets could play uh, Vancouver every time and get wins like that. But at the same time, I was like, where's the excitement in this game? It seems after the first period, it got into the second. It seemed like the Jets uh, were going to take it. Uh, Vancouver, I know they had a lot, put a lot of shots on goal. Hellbuck, spectacular again. But I think if you're a Jets fan, you got to be pretty happy. I think some people were maybe a bit down after losing two to Edmonton, but Vancouver clearly not a playoff team, and the Jets are winning the games. They should be winning, and that's what you want to see from, uh, what are they now, tied for uh, the North Division lead? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, three teams right there with uh, 42 points. I believe the Leafs have a game in hand. Jets have one on Edmonton, but you know, there's really three teams at the top. you got Montreal right now looking pretty good in fourth. Um, and man, the Calgary Flames. Well, we'll get to the Calgary Flames a little bit later on. But Remo, credit to you. You just called it yesterday. We we joked that Mitch, uh, the Godfather, was on the Flames, or sorry, was on the Sens in the first game, and he dropped that beauty for us in the YouTube chat. And then you yesterday on the show said, "No, I'm still. I'm not going back to the Flames. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust them. Go with Ottawa. They were even a longer underdog yesterday." And they did it again. Three third-period goals 
against Calgary, who went into the third period clinging to a one nothing lead. And um, man, it's going to be really interesting to see what we get from this Calgary Flames hockey club beginning tomorrow night in three important games for both both teams. Yeah, Daryl Sutter came in. He's supposed to whip him into shape. What happened? They just dropped two to Ottawa. And as I said, I mean, I took him in daily fantasy so many times, Gaudreau Monahan, and I got burned from them so many times. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. You think they should be better? They got off to a great start. Uh, we saw them against the Jets, and they are again. They're losing games that they should be winning. You can't drop two in a row to Ottawa if you want to make the playoffs. So I was in on Calgary. I thought they would, you know, pass Edmonton for that last playoff spot in the North. But Edmonton's playing awesome. They're looking real strong, and Calgary is uh, showing maybe it's not uh, the coach's fault. Maybe it just isn't. Yeah. Well, I mean. It, it- It'll be fascinating to see what Brad Treleving does going into the trade deadline, especially if they don't turn this around quickly. And I think most people watching this program hope that they won't because their next three games, of course, are against the Winnipeg Jets. Shout out to everybody in the YouTube chat. We've got a ton of folks here. Oh, there's our girl Taylor Ewell, Logan Stanley's biggest fan. Stan was pretty good last night, I thought. You know, Remo, it's bizarre when you look at, you know, you pull up the, the numbers or you head to natural stat trick and you look at, you know, the shot numbers, the shot quality at this does not look like a game that the Jets won as comfortably as they did. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around last night because, yes, there were a ton of shots. And I know we talked beforehand that maybe at times it was somewhat score effects. Um, This was not, you know, considering that uh, really should have been a shutout, um, which was given up with less than 90 seconds left in the game, much to my chagrin, who was on the Vancouver team total of under 0.5 goals, essentially betting a shutout on Connor Hellebuck. So I was choked. I'm sure Hellebuck was choked. But, I mean, at at no point really, you know, in the second half of the game, did that really feel like this one wasn't completely in the hands of the Winnipeg Jets. And yet you look at some of the numbers, and it certainly doesn't look like a 5-1 game. But at a certain point, you just sort of like, yeah, well, that's just the way the Jets are doing it right now. Well, what did they need? They needed two points. They got it behind some fantastic goaltending and a career night for Andrew Kopp scoring four goals and uh, winning Marcella 100 grand. Yeah, Marcella Chartrand, 100 grand for the uh, four goals. And I started thinking of the other people I know. Was Gail McDonald was the OG uh, with the pro four goals. Oh. I, I, they didn't have the 100K prize then. And it was uh, Christopher Haley who got the million from the Patrick Line A five goal game. Just want to do a bit of Jets uh, score and win trivia. Formerly Safeway, uh, now Save On. And Andrew Cobb four. It's funny. Andrew Cobb's done a couple things this season that uh, we had never seen before. Led the team in ice time for a couple games, and he also had a you know had a hat trick and then four goals in a game. Joining a couple Jets uh, legends. I know you've got the list of uh, 1.0 and 2.0 Jets. Uh, Perot and Wheeler most recently with four goals. And that line, they've been great, um, especially against Vancouver here, chipping in offensively. You had all three lines going. Shafley and Wheeler, Stasny uh, chipped in on a goal. Um, Ehlers on the power play with uh, Pionk looked very strong against the Jets. Both power play units looking uh, fantastic. And Connor Hellbuck doing what he does. And if he can see a shot, uh, it's getting saved. And the Jets know that, and that's how they're playing. And they're kind of saying, okay... Helly, do your thing. And he stopped a lot of people. I know Vertanen had a post at the end. JT Miller had a post in the third period and where he maybe had a lot of the net to shoot at. But Hellbuck will tell you, he'll be the first one to say, I induced those posts. Uh, I, I, Damn know, straight he did. I go to them to shoot at the post. I'm not giving them anything. So Hellbuck's 
great. I mean, a lot to like from the game. And I agree. I think the shots, I don't know, I think it's kind of misleading. I think the Jets were in cruise control uh, in the third period. They were kind of just screwing around a bit in the offensive end, uh, cycling and playing a bit of keep away. I haven't seen it yet, but our uh, pal Mark Sports Video, who's usually tuning in with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and throwing out videos, has a um, I mean, he has some breakdowns. Uh, sometimes it does expose some of the things that the Jets aren't doing well. I haven't seen it yet. I will look forward to checking it out. And speaking of those records, um, I got triggered last night, Reem. You know me. There's nothing that triggers me more than when something happens for the Winnipeg Jets, a noteworthy moment, and... Any media throws up, oh, this is the sixth time in franchise history because um, Pascal Rayom did it for the Atlanta Thrashers. Again, nobody cares. What we do care about is where nights like last night rank in Winnipeg Jets history. And 20 all-time Winnipeg Jets to score four or more goals in a game, including the good old WHA days. Hey, Perry Miller had four. He used to be uh, the man behind wise guys here in town. Perry had a four-goal game. Anders Hedberg had four four-goal games. Bobby Hull had a couple. And here's some great names. Morris Lukowicz against the Cincinnati Stingers. That would have been a WHA uh, before he was really kind of the star of that horrible team in the first couple of years. Ron Wilson, the dog, had four against the Kings in 83. Big Mac, Paul McClain, uh, did it in 88 against the Flames. Solani did it twice, um, both at home against the Oilers and North Stars. Keith Kachuk had a four-goal game. And then right now for the Winnipeg Jets, um, Matthew Perot, Blake Wheeler, Andrew Kopp. And, of course, there is three five-goal games in Winnipeg Jets history. Willie Lindstrom did it in 82. Alexi Jamnov did it against the Los Angeles Kings, and then the uh, the million-dollar goal by Patrick Lunny was his fifth in November of 18 against the Blues. And, you know, I still think about that five-goal game, Reem. That was in the middle of the 18-goal month of November, and it seemed like that was really the high point of Patrick Lunny's career. Everything that was going well, anything that could go right was happening for him. Um, and then, anyway, not to get down the Lunny rabbit hole, but... Um, didn't go well after that, and now we're talking about another big performance by Pierre-Luc Dubois. But um, pretty interesting cast of characters that Andrew Kopp joined last night, and no one happy happier about it than Marcella Chartrand, who's got 100K in her jeans thanks to uh, thanks to his fourth goal. Yeah, that would be so nice to get. Uh, imagine getting 100 uh, grand from Andrew Kopp. I wonder if she was even awake watching, if she knew. I haven't. I Googled her. I tried to get a hold of her, but... Um, I couldn't track her down, so I uh, want maybe we'll hear from her in the future. But Andrew Kopp, four goals, having a career season. I think all those guys, Lowry as well, Appleton, and that's that third line. I think if the Jets go deep in the playoffs, they're going to need that third line to uh, keep playing the way they're playing, strong defensively, but able to contribute offensively. And I know on the broadcast they were talking about a lot how. Um, they were sorry. I'm trying to get Brandon in as well. He's having some issues. <laughs> uh, how they're able to just you know uh, cycle the puck and protect the puck in the offensive zone, and that is also uh, how they play. How they play defense. Well, excellent. You know, listen, let's see if we can get uh, Rewiki all hooked up in. Really looking forward to having uh, him join us. And uh, you know, while we do that, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to a team that has been overlooked and frankly disrespected throughout the entire Canadian Mixed Curling Championships. And that, of course, is the team of Kadriana Sahadak and Colton Lott from Winnipeg Beach. 
Um, you know we like the odds on this program, and CoolBet's done a great job of listing the odds. And I think because of some of the big names that are playing in mixed curling that maybe don't play a lot in it, um, they've been a big underdog over and over and over again. Did it again last night, moving on to the finals, a plus-140 underdog. I mean, it's just a fantastic story. I mean, these two young, I believe they're a couple from Winnipeg Beach, um, and they could very well, we could have three of the four people in the final being from Winnipeg Beach and Gimli because Sheeman and Morris are taking on Carrie Anerson and Brad Gushu in the semifinal this afternoon at 3 p.m. The winner of that will meet the Manitoban duo of Sahediak and Lot tonight. Um, they'll definitely be throwing a little sprinkle on them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're underdogs again just because of the star power of the teams that they could be playing. So uh, congratulations on an incredible run so far. I know Jay Bell and Ted Wyman from the Free Press and Sun have been doing a great job covering this event. So we'll uh, we'll certainly be having some uh, some speaks about that sometime uh, very soon. Um, now, will we get Rewiki hooked up? I mentioned we were over at Boston Pizza. Tomorrow, I think, we're going to hopefully get out to Royal Sports uh, because right now... Things are happening, folks. It's getting nice outside. It is time to get outside. And whether we're talking about, um, you know, bikes, the brand new expanded fitness center, uh, maybe get ready to take off for a weekend, do some camping. Uh, All those sorts of things they've got over at Royal Sports. It really is the number one hockey superstore. And I also... I should show you guys this. This mask, I, you know, we all have to wear a mask these days. I got the New Era Chiefs mask from uh, the Hasbeaks over at Royal Sports. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's the most comfortable mask. Um, I think we've got Rewiki. Uh, I think Remus is back. Hopefully I can hear him in just a moment and uh, we'll be able to get this going. Um, and again, if you've got comments for Brandon, who, by the way, is going to come in on a heater. You guys, you guys, thank God this is video because the Rewiki salad is in fine, fine form today. Um, but as always, hit us with a subscribe on uh, YouTube and give us any of your um, comments in uh, in the chat. Let's see if we can bring in Brandon Wiki and if I can hear him. Brandon, what is up? And welcome to a Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. How are you? I'm doing good, Hus. Super <laughs> good to talk to you. What's going on? Uh, well, you know, just working through it. It's it's a different challenge every day, but um, we're getting on the air and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. The reaction has been amazing, and uh, I know it's been a crazy month. Just I mean, catching up with some of the guys. I mean, you've been very busy with skates and plates. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, how have you been? How have you liked not getting up at four in the morning every day and uh, spending a little bit more time with the uh, new love of your life? Yeah, well, not getting up at 4 a.m., that, uh, that's still a thing for me, man. So uh, it's getting up at 4 a.m., getting up at 2 a.m., getting up at 6 a.m., <laughs> getting up at 7 a.m., staying look, up after 7 a.m. You look pretty good, all things considered, I'll say. And once again, this is why we needed to do this on video, because the you know the, the Rewiki flow is in... Uh, listen, I know your team isn't playing very well right now, but at least your hair is still bringing it at an elite 10 out of 10 level on a daily basis. Well, you know, the the hair is, I, I always got the hair on lockdown, but I thought I would, after seeing Kevin O come in, guns blazing yesterday with the martini glass and everything, I thought I'd dust out uh, what I'm currently wearing right now. Uh, I, I think only one other person's seen this before. That's my wife on our honeymoon, but... I'm wearing the romper, man. I'm bringing out the pinnacle. (laughs) I thought I'd do do it just for you. Well, you know what? Maybe stand up. Give us a little twirl, Brandon. Mm -hmm. The people are going to need to see it. This is... (laughs) 
Uh, you know what? If the whole sports radio thing doesn't work out, we certainly have a future in modeling. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Plus size modeling. Yeah. <laughs> hey, looking great, man. Um, but how, how things have been? You know, may as well get right to it because I know we're going to start talking Jets and start talking Flyers. Um, you, like so many of us, uh, with some time on your hands. And you had actually started Skates and Plates back when we all had real jobs. Um, that changed. I guess it gave you a little bit more time to do it, but tell people if they haven't already checked out Skates and Plates, what it is, uh, where people can find it, and uh, how much fun you're having doing that. Yeah, it's been a blast. Um, it's on the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, so you can find, I mean, either go to the website there, on my Twitter page, you'll see a link to all the episodes and everything like that. But it's pretty, I mean, it's not that clever of a name there's a bunch of hockey talk obviously centered around the jets so i'll be breaking down all the games and and all the news and everything like that and uh food's a huge passion for me so i wanted to incorporate that into it as well so there's a, a little bit of food talk throughout the episodes but uh we have episodes that drop every tuesday and friday and on friday i speak with someone in the winnipeg manitoba food scene and so we just kind of shine a light on their restaurant or their product, whatever it is that they're doing, because it started, you know, back in, I guess, November, December. And that's kind of when everyone was still in full on lockdown mode. So just to kind of shed some light and help out some absolutely awesome people in what's been a brutal time. I mean, maybe the, the restaurant industry has been hit harder than anyone else. So a, a ton of great talks. And I got another another beauty coming tomorrow but that's yeah <laughs> skates and plates it's it, it's kind of right there in the title for you a ton of hockey and a ton of food well speaking of restaurants i'll give a shout out to boston pizza of course great sponsor of ours we had the i was out for the pizza flights earlier today they've got a great new contest going on call the shot so people can check that out and of course dq nick and nicky uh, ultimate flame ultimate grill burger most underrated in the fast food category but you've had a chance to see a whole bunch of great local restaurants what uh what's a maybe one or two of the favorite things that you because let's face it we know why you're doing this it's to get the food from all these great places in the city <laughs> yeah I, I mean i the the cloak has been pushed back on that one i i wasn't really being too secretive about it either <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say though you brought a boston pizza the pizza flights is something i've been pushing for forever and now that they've made it a thing it, it's changed the pizza game completely because I, I like to sample different flavors and everything like that. So if I can get three in one, that's that right there is top notch. But as, as far as some of the other ones that have stood out, uh, Q Bistro, there's the Q franchise. It's spelled K-Y-U, but it's pronounced Q. They've, I mean, they've got the, the Asian game on lock. And they had, uh, during Burger Week last year, it was a cheesy, gravity-defined ramen burger. <laughs> and so the way the burger was set up is that the cheese was actually the ramen noodles. And so it was this cheesy ramen noodle thing. And it was like, I don't know, like three, four feet high, something <laughs> like that. It was, it was crazy. And it, it was just so damn tasty too. So that's something that I, I, I don't think anyone that's ever had it is going to forget that one. And, and there's been a bunch. I mean, all these places are outstanding. I, I just talked with the, uh, the head chef at Ujiro. And he was telling me how Blake Wheeler drops by a couple times a week and he's picking up God knows how many hundreds of dollars worth of sushi for maybe just him but the rest of the team, right? So I, I don't really want to totally just single out you know, one or two places. They've all been outstanding. But you just you don't see 
cheesy gravity defined no. ramen noodles all that often well, so i thought i'd mention i'm impressed i just learned how to pronounce the caillou grill the entire time brandon ricky's with us here let's get to it um i'll save you the humiliation of talking too much about the flyers so let's focus on the team that Thanks, most bro. people around here care about and that's the winnipeg jets coming off two big wins in vancouver uh, you know at never at any point really did these games seem like they weren't going the jets ways but again, you I pulled up natural stat trick and I my jaw was on the floor. We heard the 39 shot number, and you kind of think, well, really, how accurate is that? Listen, the numbers were ugly, but again, that was another you know, it seemed like a mismatch between Winnipeg and Vancouver, as happens pretty much every single time they play on the West Coast. What did you think about last night and maybe the last two games overall as a package? Yeah, and the Canucks without Elias Pedersen, too. So you would I mean you would think that without their best player, the Jets should cruise to victories, which they did on the scoreboard. I'm a little surprised by that too. Maybe it's because, you know, those injuries that we just touched on there, there's not as much high-end skill up front, so they get the chances, but they're struggling to capitalize on those. But I think a big part of it too, man, we just, we're almost deaf to Hellebuck's greatness. Just how, how outstanding he is. It's just become routine for us. It's, oh, 38 saves, yeah. What else is new? That, that's just what Connor Hellebuck well, and, and Maurice. Maurice last night went through uh, like an eight, nine minute presser about the game that, you know, was 5 1 with a goal to spoil the shutout with a one minute and 26 seconds left. And nobody even brought up Hellebuck's name. And I mean, you're good for the coach to say, ah, you know, we're going to talk about Hellebuck at all last night. Um, you're right. And I've said this before, you know, dating back to when we were on Pemina. Um, you know, being a long time, you know, being a Winnipeg guy following this team, I don't think people realize um, just how special of a talent the Winnipeg Jets have. Um, I mean, this is clearly far and away the greatest goaltender in Jets history. And the feeling as a fan watching this team is just simply different when he's in and anywhere close to on his game, because really, no matter what happens in front of him, and he's proven this over and over again. He's going to give you a chance to win. Dude, you're talking to a Flyers fan. <laughs> so I like I hear Jets fans, and I just think you're so spoiled, every single one of you, that you're not <laughs> hands and knees, you know, praying to a Hellebuck jersey when you wake up every morning. It, it's It just changes a whole franchise. Like, there's no other way to put it when you have an elite goalie like that, and he's churning out season – you know, basically Vesna-worthy season year after year. It, it changes It changes everything. And it almost, you know, some ways good, some ways bad, can give a team this feeling of bulletproof. Like we're invincible because we've got 37 back there in the crease. And maybe sometimes they rely a little bit too much on that. But it's still there. And you, you're still paying the goalie money. So, of course, you're going gonna to take it. But, I mean, in the second period, that was a great example. You know, after 20... You know, it was a pretty evenly played game. Not a whole lot stood out. The second starts, and the Canucks get like eight shots in a row. And a lot of them in the slot, in the high danger area. And, and Connor Hellebuck just made it look easy. Just It really never felt like Vancouver was all that close to cracking the donut. And then the Jets get two in a row because the Canucks can't count. And it, <laughs> it's almost game over at that point. Like it, ha- it all happens so quickly with this team sometimes. It is a little hard to, to break down because they're so unique in that aspect. Yeah, the I mean, and you know what was crazy about last night? I mean, there was two things. The three too many men penalties. Um, 
I'm not sure. Is that a reaction to Tim Peel? We're going to be now we're calling it absolutely by the book. Now it's just a a huge explosion of too many men calls. The Vancouver Rough Riders. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, both power plays, um, you know, the Jets gave up a whole bunch of those shots early. They got a power play. And the next thing you know, they were kind of back to even. Um, Power play definitely was uh, was clicking last night. And, um, well, what can you say about Andrew Kopp? I mean, a career night for the young man. A guy, he does a lot of different things for the Winnipeg Jets. Rewarded with um, four goals last night. And um, a very happy Jets fan in uh, Marcella Chartrand who got the 100K. Yeah, that, w- that was awesome. And, f- I mean, that might be the ugliest 100K you'll ever see. Because th- none of those goals were anything to write home about, right? Like just dirty, gross deflection. They all count, bro. They all, they all count. Hey, you, know, you know where they count too? After the season, when he's negotiating <laughs> with him and his name was Chevy, and they're saying, "Hey, our client has a couple four-point games. Doesn't matter how it happened, but they did happen, and we want three, four, five million dollars, whatever it is, on his next deal, right?" Uh, but I mean, what stood out to me, and that for for most of his goals, there is the second power play unit is just as deadly as the first. And, and maybe even more so at times, it feels like, right? Because Nick Ehlers has been this team's most dangerous offensive player all season long. Neil Pionk's the best power play defenseman this team has on top of it. And then you have Pierre-Luc Dubois just kind of throw it in on the other side of it all. It, it was pretty neat, at least, you know, just kind of pushing away Andrew Kopp's heroics for a second that the Jets can throw at a second unit that's better than probably, what, half the league's first units and that's going to be real interesting that you don't need to just lean on the top guys all the time that if there's a little bit of a lull in their production you're feeling pretty good about throwing Ehlers, Pionk and Dubois out there. I I will say speaking of Dubois um, you know we knew there's been some challenges you come to a new team you spend two weeks in a hotel you're playing with new players I mean it hasn't been you know the smoothest transition but almost every night at some point, regardless of how the games are going, you see the the glimpses, the incredible potential of those three players as a unit, but as well as what Dubois is capable of doing in one-on-one situations and the combination of his, you know, his brain, but the size and the speed he brings. I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard for guys to look fast when you're hanging around with Nick Ehlers and Kyle Connor. Yeah. Um, he can keep up in a big way. I, I, you know, as I said, I think there's a lot more to come from that group. But when I look at Dubois and I think about what he's been, especially as a playoff performer in the past, uh, it's hard not to get excited about, uh, in particular, the impact he could have when things really start counting after the first 56. Yeah, like he's on pace for what, like 60, 70 points in a 82-game season? And we're like, yeah, he's been okay. Uh, it, do- it does feel like there's still a- another level for him to get. And not even that he's been bad, it's just... It's a, it's been a brutal start for him too, right? Like the two week quarantine, the injury. It, it's tough to try to get off to a hot start like that. But slowly over the last, I would say, couple of games past two weeks, it looks like Ehlers, Connor, Dubois is it's here to stay, and they're legit now. So I, I'm excited. I'm with you. I think come playoff time, as much as I'm president of the Paul Stasny fan club and everything, don't be shocked if Dubois, Ehlers, Connor is this team's. Most dangerous line for game one of the postseason. Oh, man. People are loving your appearance on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily oh. <laughs> today in the chat. Um, you know, I saw you laughing. Yeah. Tyson Ducharme looks like Wix is a government informant. What do you know about Westwood? And then, and then, you know, considering Kevin O with the martini and now you with the romper, there is a, a legitimate concern amongst our loyal viewers that Westwood is going to try and top you both. And knowing Westie, 
Uh, and when what goes on on planet Westwood, that could literally mean almost anything, Brandon. Well, aren't there some kind of like, I don't know, parental controls or privacy <laughs> settings you could put on here that I, I imagine there's no male nudity allowed. That, that's where I, that's where he would take it. I, you know, it's funny too, because I was trying to figure out what to wear. And then I, uh, my wife thought of this idea, but the only other shirt that I was going to wear, it was in homage to Westy actually, because it's a, a size medium from Baby Gap. <laughs> and you can see my face on here. I've put on I put on a little too much LBs. So I gotta I gotta go get a gym membership or something after this interview. <laughs> it's a little tighter nowadays. Oh, Brandon Ruick is with us here on uh, TSN 1290. Darren Haynes is gonna join me in a few minutes and we'll kind of get the word on the flames and look ahead to this Jets Flame series beginning on Friday from a guy following the club in that town. Um but as far as this division goes, I mean, you look at the standings today, Brandon, and I mean, you got 42 points for the Leafs, the Oilers, and the Jets. Montreal is that next team, and of course, they're shut down right now. But, you know, with Vancouver losing back-to-back in regulation in games, they couldn't afford to do it. And then Calgary doing the same thing to Ottawa, of all teams. Like, I'm fascinated to see what we get out of the Flames and Jets over the course of these next three games, and really tomorrow night against Calgary. Um you know, essentially, you know, if the Jets if the Jets win even two of the three, you could almost be looking at the playoffs being set next week and just rolling out the uh, and just figuring out where the Habs, Jets, Leafs, Oilers finish up in that top four because Ottawa's not doing it, Vancouver's not doing it, and if Calgary doesn't get some wins strung together fast, they're going to be an afterthought going into the last month of the season. So I just talked to a uh, reporter in Calgary. And dude, you should have seen the bags under his eyes. And he was just like, he's like, it's been such a crazy. Day. He was just like exhausted. I mean, the temperature in Flamesland right now is volcanic. People are so fed up with that team, and the, I, I get the Daryl Sutter move because maybe you're just trying to, as a last resort, inject like anything. Like maybe some kind of spark happens. But it does feel like this is kind of the beginning of the end of of this version of the Flames as we know it. And there's going to be some significant retooling either at the deadline or in the offseason. But, you know, it was it was was the guy I was talking to who said it best. He's like, they're not good. They're just not good. Like, what, what more do you need to see out of the last couple of years to say that this isn't a good hockey team? And I I mean, I couldn't really disagree with them. And the tough part for the Flames right now is they can't score. They can't beat Philip Gustafson. I, I can't imagine it gets any easier against Connor Hellebuck, but the big dogs in Calgary, they're just not producing like everybody needs them to. Yeah, Uncle Daryl can't be too pleased after the trip to the nation's capital. Looking forward to that. And we'll talk Flames with uh, Darren Haynes coming up in the next segment. And, of course, much more tomorrow heading into the first of the three games in four nights. Brandon Rewicki is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Wicks, in the summer, we were talking about the Olympics. And about the Canadian goaltending position. And listen, I, what I hope we do is figure out a way to get Connor yeah. Connor Hellebuck a uh, <laughs> Canadian passport. Yeah. Um, but Carter Hart was thought of as, you know, maybe that next one. Um, you know, the guy that would come in and would challenge a Carey Price and a Marc-Andre Fleury, who really was sort of an afterthought after last season, as being the future of the goaltending position. What is going on with his season so far this year? He's got a goals against average pushing four. He's, you know, I think between 60th and 70th in many of the important goaltending stats. 
Now, many of those, you know, reflect what the team's doing as well, but it is stunning. You know, if you've been spending all your time watching the North Division and then you go and see what's happening in Philadelphia right now with the team, but especially in the net, um, unfortunately, it's something, as you mentioned, that has been a recurring theme for the Flyers over the last few years, but I thought they thought that they had their guy. Yeah, I'm just surprised he's not 80th out of 70. So that's that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but uh, you know what's so it's and look, he's if if I'm not going to sugarcoat it, he's been terrible. That's kind of the the meat and potatoes of it. But what's so bizarre with young superstar goalies, and you can go back, and it might it might just be since the beginning of time. But even if you want to go recent memory, and you touched on Price and Flurry. Each of those guys had one or two seasons in their early 20s where they were awful and they were they were just terrible and they couldn't figure anything out. And then whatever happens a year or two after that, they get back to where everybody thought that they would be. So it, it just seems like this is one of those awful years that all really good young goalies seem to have right now. I think 95% of it is mental with them. He just can't seem to get out of his own head right now. I think he's overthinking literally any shot that comes his way. And as a goalie, if you're thinking too much, a position that is defined by milliseconds and centimeters, that's pretty much the difference right now. Now, the other part is the Flyers as a whole are an absolute train wreck. And they are a dumpster fire, garbage, whatever <laughs> metaphor you want to throw out there. And they're they're hanging both him and... Brian Elliott out to dry. So it's that brutal combination of a young goalie with no confidence who's overthinking it combined with six blue liners and the rest of the forward core out there that have all seemingly gotten lobotomies and have forgotten how to play hockey. You know, the, um, I guess you would know this better. What's their sked like going? Do they have much Buffalo and uh, New Jersey the rest of the way? Not, not, that the, not that the Jersey matters. I mean, that was my thing. Listen, Philly's got to turn it around. This, this is going to be a desperate team. They will beat New Jersey. That was my big lock shot pick. That really started, started a, a terrible run for the last three days that ended with my Hellebuck shutout bet losing with 96 seconds or 86 seconds left in the game. So I I sort of hang it on the Flyers for giving me this bad karma and me being an idiot to pick them in the beginning. But when you look at the standings, I mean, yeah, they're right there with Boston, but Boston's got about five games in hand on everyone else and I think has a ton of games against some of those bottom feeders. Um, I'd imagine that the level of urgency must be just bubbling over right now, despite the fact that we're just beyond the midway point of the season. Yeah, yeah. Not enough Buffalo, unfortunately, is the answer to the skid that I just looked at. They got a couple games against the Sabres. But, I mean, they're playing so bad right now that they were down, I think, three to the Sabres the other night. And then it took kind of a miracle comeback just to avoid ending their losing streak a a little while ago. I mean, the schedule is brutal in that division, though, because outside of Buffalo, the, the teams are have decent, right? Like, I mean, New Jersey's not having a great year. That didn't matter a whole lot in the last game. The Rangers are, I hate playing teams like the Rangers because they're terrible defensively, but they've got great goaltending and a ton of firepower. So the games are the games are always kind of on edge, it seems like, with New York, and they haven't played super well against the Rangers either. But then the rest of the division, they're all contenders, man. Like Boston being in fourth is is ridiculous. But they're the, the fourth best team in the division right now. So I... I'm kind of done on the season, to be honest. I think a lot, a lot of people in Philly are it, – it, it's the worst thing for any 
any franchise, fans are just apathetic right now. It's like, yeah, we don't care. We, we've seen this song and dance from this team for close to a decade right now. I think people are just kind of in that mindset of we need significant change because this is just this has happened way too often for too many years. Well, it's funny you bring that up. You know what? They do stink. We've spent too much time talking about the Flyers anyways, but I knew that that would be a fun way. Bringing it back to the Jets, though, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the trade deadline. Put your GM hat on. I know you've kind of you've chopped this up in many different ways. We're talking about Ekholm, Savard. You know, potentially bring a guy in like Ekholm with term for another year. What does that do to the expansion draft? And, you know, to get a player like that, what would you be willing to give up? Uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming deadline for Winnipeg? Yeah, I'll do my GM hairspray. I don't want to put a hat to, uh, to ruin the hair. Uh, to, to me, it's Ekholm or bust. I'm, I'm 100% on the, the Ekholm train to Winnipeg because when you look at the roster right now, Yes, there's problems in the defensive zone. Yes, the forwards, you know, a a large chunk of them aren't great defensively. But the one big hole right now is on the top pair. And it's pretty evident by now that Josh Morrissey is not going to be able to carry a pairing with Tucker Pullman, with a Beaulieu. It's been a little better with DeMello, but, you know, even then going up against McDavid Matthews in the North Division just alone, it's not going to be good enough. Maybe Echo Morrissey is, and maybe it isn't. I'd sure as hell like to find out, though. And to me, that's kind of the last missing piece. I think everyone's happy with Pionk Forbert as the second pair. Logan Stanley's been absolutely killing it on the third pair. Super sheltered, for sure. But I don't know how you can't be happy with that story so far this season. That really only leaves one spot. And, you know, it's it's funny because Morrissey struggles. To me, everyone mentions you know, his work in the defensive zone and things like that. But he needs a puck mover beside him. And that's what Jacob Truba sneakily did very well for a long time. And I see a lot of similarities in Ekholm's game. And I think he compares really favorably to what Jacob Truba brought and helped with Josh Morrissey. So I think those two are, it's tough to find a perfect match, a top pairing defenseman. Ekholm's going to be the closest you can get to that. So I'm all aboard for that. Just go all in. And on top of it, you get two playoff runs potentially out of Ekholm. Well, and think about this. Think about this too, Rewiki. I mean, and I think about Ekholm, why he is just so perfect for the Winnipeg Jets. It does maybe give you a little bit more stress uh, in and around expansion draft because it's a player that you'll want to, you know, if you're protecting him and Pionk and Morrissey, all of a sudden, I mean, I think Stanley's ahead of DeMello when it comes to being protected, but whatever, that's just my take. One of those, well, both of those guys yeah. end up being exposed and maybe it does get a little bit more challenging. Um, but, you know, it is it is fascinating to see how this is going to going to go forward. But, I mean, if you have Ekholm for another year, what is having a guy like that in the dressing room do for a Vili Hainala, a Dylan Sandberg coming into the league, probably getting significant minutes as rookies? I mean, I just think that would be a, just a, literally a perfect fit. The money is right. The timing is perfect for a team like the Winnipeg Jets in their current situation. Yeah, I mean, you nailed a bunch of the positives that I think a lot of people don't even touch on. The, the real negative, the only one I can think of, honestly, is that the cost and then the expansion draft. But if you're bringing Ekholm in, you're losing either DeMello or Stanley. But if Ekholm is here, you're losing a third pair defenseman, and that's it. Like As much as it would suck to lose either one of those guys, you're going to lose somebody. But it's not like it's someone in your top four or somebody in your top six, right? Like you would think that with, you know, Hainala Sandberg, 
a free agent, whatever it would be, you could find somebody to replace them pretty easily. And and the cost to me, it doesn't sound like it's going to be all that extravagant, man. Like a first round pick sucks, but that's the cost of doing business. If it's say even Niku and Veselainen, sign me up for that all day long. I, I don't know if it's going to be a whole lot more than that. No, it's interesting. I mean, when you're talking about you know a first round pick, a guy you picked in the first round, and a, you know a, a prospect that some teams will have interest in, and certainly the cost is high. B, this has been so much fun. We're going to have to do this again very soon. Um, let people know um, where they can find skates and plates, and uh, when the next EP drops. Yeah, thanks, man. So next episode comes tomorrow morning. Uh, it'll be on my Twitter account, at Brandon underscore Wiki. You can check out the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com, and you'll find skates and plates there. So either one of those places work. Uh, we're talking with Danny Austin to preview Jets Flames, and then Chef Ed, who's an absolute beauty. Uh, he's the, He runs Yujiro Restaurant on Grant, and he is the unofficial sushi supplier for the Winnipeg Jets, as well as... Apparently, the Canadian and the Oilers as well when they come into town. So we get into that. It's a pretty good talk. Be great to see you again, Matt. Really appreciate you joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it again very soon here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks for doing this, pal. This was a blast. Thanks so much, <laughs> Right man. on. There he is, the one and only Brandon Rewicki, of course, his partner. We had Jim earlier this week. Westy coming up tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, yeah, just before we get to Darren Haynes, I uh, do want to let you know, uh, you know we've got great support from uh, the folks at uh, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, which is Dairy Queen Polo Park, Dairy Queen Niverville, Dairy Queen on St. Anne's, and the flagship DQ Northgate. Told you yesterday, DQ Northgate, now the top cake sales in Winnipeg and Manitoba, and number eight in Canada of over 700 DQs. And what they've got going on is... Um, as I said, the greatest compliment you can have to someone in the cake game is it's like Jenna Ray level, but they're doing it with ice cream. Um, and you can hit them up. You can even order through Instagram. Uh, check out Nick and Nikki DK, uh, DQ, excuse me, Modern Designs, lost of custom, uh, custom options, and Easter cakes will be available at all locations starting Monday. All right. Jets Flames get going tomorrow. Jets probably feeling pretty good about themselves after these uh, couple wins in Vancouver getting things straight after a couple losses to the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, I don't know what we're going to see from the Calgary Flames coming up uh, Friday night. Let's welcome in our good friend Darren Haynes covering the Flames out there in Cowtown for a little chat ahead of this weekend series. Darren, first off, thanks so much for the time. It's great to see and talk to you again. How's things? I'm going to just carry on into the Flames and talk about a pileup in the third turn and it feels like where we're at right now. So yeah, no things are things are fine with me, but I'm not uh, I'm not under the payroll of the uh, hotly scrutinized uh, professional hockey team in the city. You know, um, it was uh, I don't know three four weeks ago where the uh, Flames lost two ugly games to the Ottawa Senators, and it ended up costing Jeff Ward his job. Daryl Sutter gets hired. He comes back to get a little bit of an initial bump. And now here we are going into probably a season-defining weekend against the Winnipeg Jets, coming off back-to-back regulation losses against the Ottawa Senators, including giving up three straight last night, blowing a 40-minute lead. Um, Where are the Flames at coming into this series against the Winnipeg Jets other than on life support when it comes to their playoff hopes? Yeah, they're, they're, they're on life support, that's for sure. I mean, they were on life support going into... It's funny, you know, those are identified as two must-win games. 
must win games. You could probably, if you really wanted to arm wrestle someone, you could get them down to, well, at least get three out of four points. They come out of Ottawa with zero points, and it's just uh, like there's a lot of, you know, it, it, it all there's a lot of Flames Nation, let's just say, have spent their entire morning ironing out that white flag and running it up on the flagpole in their front yawn because there's a lot of, there's a lot of surrender. There's a lot of, okay, let's tank. Who's let, let's see the draft rankings. I, I tweeted out a list, uh, a list of draft rankings after the game last night. And people were like, thank you less. And all of a sudden, like everybody was like, <laughs> the focus has changed. It's this funny now. Yeah. And, and when you're playing so often against teams you're chasing, there certainly is still a kind of a, a path to victory to quote John King. If this was CNN right now and he'd have the map out, but I'll tell you, it's, it's not looking pretty. And this team is going to have to get way more consistent and not just consistent, but consistently good the rest of the way. And, and we haven't seen any indication of that happening. What, uh, what's Daryl Sutter thinking right now? I listened to the post game after the game last night and I thought we might get some really vintage angry Daryl. Um, he, I don't want to say he sounded resigned to kind of sort of where his uh, team is. Um, you know, he actually wasn't that negative. He thought they did a lot of things right. Um, but then you give up three to Ottawa in the third period and you don't get any points out of a game like that. And you sort of realize that, you know, whatever they did well earlier in the game was all for naught. Yeah, you know, blowing a blowing a two period lead for the first time all season was just such a, a little cherry on the top of this of this spiral. Yeah, Daryl's been it's been an interesting couple of weeks because you know Daryl, you know I remember a, a Daryl that that can be a little bit gruff, can be a little cantankerous, you know, a little short, and but he seems to have kind of mellowed a little bit in, in his in his in his old age. I'll call him old, sixty two, um, and and he seems to be taking quite a kind of a measured a measured. I guess response to this. I, I mean, he he's here for a bit. He signed a three-year deal, so so I guess uh, for him, you know, this is a, this is kind of evaluation time as well as. But I know he he he's been talking right from when he got here. Like this team has to make the playoffs, and even after wins, he was immediate to say it's still not good enough. Look at the standings; we're not in the playoffs, right? So you just wonder now what's that going to look like as as it becomes more and more bleak. And we're not quite there yet, but if we were to have a conversation six days from now and things don't go what does it have to be a sweep for calgary they need to take five out of six points whatever that looks like you're going to start seeing and so what does that look like for daryl sutter in terms of managing his players because there are players that i don't think he's too keen on too happy with let's say not say keen on but you know and i'll give you an example matthew kachuk so matthew kachuk on the surface you would think hey there's a Daryl Sutter player. He plays with a little bit of edge, and and you would think that he would be perfect in a, in a kind of a Daryl system. So he would be the 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 cover child, poster poster boy for the Daryl Sutter hockey. Well, Matthew Kachuk played just over 13 minutes last night, and 13:45, and he was averaging under Jeff Ward close to 20 minutes. His ice time is down over four minutes under Sutter, and Sutter it was the second game where he he basically benched him in the second half of the third period in a close game. So. There are some guys that, um, judging from usage, you get a sense that he's not too happy with. Now, Darren, that, of course, you know, we'll kind of look ahead past this weekend um, into the upcoming trade deadline. And let's just assume that there is no magic bullet. Things don't completely do a 180 beginning on Friday night. And it becomes pretty clear as to that the Flames will not be a playoff team as it gets close to that deadline. Um Part of it, I'm sure, will be influenced by Sutter because he will be here next year. But what does this do to Brad Treleving and his options 
and what he you know may consider that he might not have considered three or four weeks ago when it comes to trading some of his assets before the end of this season. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're in that situation. Where you got to start looking. You have to start looking really long and hard and evaluating what 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 does the future look like. So let's talk about Johnny Gaudreau for a second. Here's a guy who's got one full season left. Like this is after this season. There's one year to go. Um, does he fit into the Daryl Sutter plan? Does he fit into the pitcher long term? Um, the question has to be asked. Same with Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan has one as an additional year, so he's got two years after this one. I think what's going to be problematic, though, and I'm sure you've talked about this at length, is is just the complexity of trades this time of year during a pandemic, during a quarantine period, during a flat cap. Teams are strapped. Like I think. I expect change. I'm not sure how much change we're going to see at a trade deadline, but prior to next September, I, I think you should be prepared to see some some significant change. We said that before, but there's always been a reason not to, right? So you go back to when when Calgary got smoked by Colorado in the playoffs. Well, they also finished second in the NHL to Tampa Bay and won the Western Conference. So not making, not blowing the team up after you just finished second. I think you can get that right. Like that, that makes sense. And then you, so then we go to the next, then we go to the next year and they're giving them that second chance. And, um, and then so what does Calgary do also in the year ends kind of suddenly, then you do that. You take four months off, played Winnipeg in the play in, and then they lose again to Dallas. Well, but Dallas goes to the Stanley cup and it's really difficult market to make trades last year, the uncertainty about this season. So, it's it's but if there's like a regular off season, I think, and given that nothing really has changed and they still have these issues, yeah, I think there's got to be change between now and next year. I'm just not sure if it's at the trade deadline. And Darren, I've got to ask you about not last night, but the previous game against Ottawa. There was that nonsense at the end of the game with the puck for the guy, the goalie that got his first win, and the Flames. I, oh, oh. That just seems so out of character for almost any team. I mean, it just seems sort of petulant. How did that go over in Calgary, and what was your reaction to it? Because it was sort of a strange, strange um, episode. Yeah, yeah. So Rasmus Anderson ended up with the puck in his glove, and um, he said the next day he he, he was frustrated at the game and, and was just going to take the puck with him. Um <laughs> <laughs> which never happens. This is not something that happens. Players can, are mad after games, but they don't go around and find the puck and bring it back to the dressing room with them. <laughs> um, so anyway, but but here's a, here's a guy that really cares. That's one guy you're not concerned about in terms of how much does he hate losing. So so I, so I think he's, he's a young guy. I, I think that's probably regrettable. And it didn't get to that point. He threw it back kind of in disgust. So, so they kind of dodged. So that, but it was, it was a poor look. I thought I, I was very candid about it. It was a poor look, and uh, but you know, at least you kind of, you kind of dance around it the next day. But in the end, no harm done. The puck's on, on Philip Gustafson's mantle, and and, and life is good. But it's it's just kind of a small indicator of, of the frustration level um, that's almost. Like it's 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 making them behave irrationally. <laughs> like that's the best way I can put it. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's a perfect way of putting it because it just seemed, I mean, it was such a strange episode, as I mentioned. I mean, like, that just, that never happens. And we've seen teams have bad losses, crushing losses, losses to teams that they absolutely hate, but you don't really see anything like that. And to me, it was just a bit of an eye-opener, just kind of opening up and showing just how frustrated the Calgary Flames are um, and have continued to be especially against the Ottawa Senators, as we've mentioned. I mean, in the North Division, if you want to be a playoff team, 
you better stack up points against Ottawa because they're not as easy to get on most nights against the teams that are in playoff spots right now. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, and this is why this Ottawa two games really turned into a pressure cooker, and it was based on what they had not done against Ottawa previously. And you mentioned the two two games earlier in the season where they got smoked. So this is this is the and this is the thing that's driving the fan base mad is if you were to take out the games against Ottawa, take those out of both Calgary and Edmonton's record, thirty four games and twenty eight points identical would be tied in the standings. Edmonton's gone seven and zero against Ottawa. Calgary's gone two four and one, and that's your nine point gap. It's that simple. And so it's 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 amazing how you know you watch the game last night and think, well, you know, Ottawa had a really good defensive effort. They really kept the Calgary to the outside. You you want to tip your hat to what the Senators did. But hey, Edmonton didn't do that. They just went for the jugular from the start, and uh, it didn't. It seemed like every Ottawa Edmonton game started with three or four nothing lead for the Oilers in the first period. Like that's what you have to do with those teams: is stomp, get out early, stomp on them, and and they don't have the will to come back generally. Darren Haynes with us from Calgary. Jets and Flames begin three in four tomorrow night in the Saddle Dome. Um, Darren, well, while I've got you, I mean, you, of course, you're covering more than just the Flames. I mean, all aspects of the Calgary sports scene. Um, while having you on the program, I've got to ask you, what, uh, what's what been the reaction in the chat amongst the CFL fans in town about, you know, this potential CFL-XFL thing? And, and really, maybe your thoughts on what that told us about where the CFL is financially right now as they try to have a season coming up. Yeah, well, I mean, that's always kind of been the CFL, right? Like, I actually, uh, I, I, I do some statistical work for the league. I've done that since I was in high school. So I'm actually kind of be a CFL employee, so to speak, in terms of doing stats. And it's funny how you go back over the years, and sometimes they couldn't pay us until, like, February because they had to wait for the, the money to come in from different partnerships. And I'm like, we're barely, we're not making any money here anyway. So it's, just, it's always kind of been that that indicator of, of how kind of close to the, the line that the CFL has kind of operated um, I think there's a, there's there's excitement to see to get stuff going again. Whether that's CFL football, whether that's um, you know I, I I'm um, I, we have a minor league baseball team that that employs collegiate players in in Okotoks, a town just south of Calgary. I'm a season ticket holder. I can't wait to go sit in the stands again this summer and watch baseball. And just got the email this morning actually that they're going to be starting and there is going to be limited fans. They're still working that out. So that's a, that's a positive. That's great. So that's an indicator I think that. That uh, we're moving in the right direction. There is excitement because, hey, you know, it's such a great activity in the summer, right? Like the the Stamps games, even though the stadium, it's old and it could use an upgrade and all that stuff. I think there, there's cautious optimism. And I, I'm just not sure what this means with the, the, the merger. That seems a bit sketchy to me. I, I kind of like the Canadian rule. I like everything about Canadian football. Like that's that's I'd like to see that um, re- reserved and, and restored and, and, and maintained. I just get a little nervous, though. You get a little nervous. Um, you know, one lost season is one thing. Certainly had a perfect explanation, but you don't want to lose two seasons. So find a way to move forward, get this thing going again. Because the last game I was at, hey, Winnipeg Bombers worked out pretty good for them. Yeah, that was a special moment for so many uh, of us here in, in Manitoba and certainly so many people with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And it's crazy. That was the last time we had a game of three-down football played. And, I mean, you just went, when I heard, and you know, and the guys that are reporting this are not just kind of speculating on these things. I mean, they're pretty well tied in. Dave Naylor, Farhan Lalji, working with the rights holder. I mean, this isn't coming out of nowhere. 
And to to kind of announce that they're talking means that they've been talking for a long yeah. time. And if things are that far down the road, with the potential of changing so many things fundamental to Canadian football, um, to me it just shows that this league is in maybe the most precarious situation it's been in over a hundred years. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, I you know, I, I reflect as I'm you know going to the games because I have all the home games, and uh, you know, people will park you know a long ways away, and they're all walking to the stadium. You know, is it, and and you, there's so much red, so much red gear. But it's an older crowd. Like for the most part, there's a lot of kind of, and I, I worry a little bit about the fan base. Uh, they kind of like the curling fan base, right? Like how many? So they got to sell themselves to both a younger demographic and a bigger demographic, right? Because you can't be continually be propped up by the old season ticket holders who have been season ticket holders for forty years, because the the aging process won't allow for that model. So, so you 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 wonder what that um, you know I so I love the, the 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 tradition and the history and everything and. But what is that going to look like? Is no football better than 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 um, a hybrid model? It's a great debate. No, I, I mean, listen. If you ask me, I mean, I, I I much like you just mentioned about how excited you are to get out to the ballpark and see games, and certainly I actually touched base with Andrew Collier, GM of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, last night, and they're optimistic that we'll have baseball with you know, at least some capacity going forward. But, um. Like, you know, listen, if, it, if the CFL, if the options were the CFL folds and we don't have football or we have bomber football and you tell me whatever the, whatever things are changed are, I'll take that over nothing all day long. I guess what people have a hard time, I think, wrapping their head around right now, Darren, is that are there other options? And so much of it has been done behind the scenes. And I don't think the the, the reaction of so many fans in and around the Canadian football, I think, was something of that well, wait a second. We didn't know that this was as precarious as it is, is right now. How can we do to help? And I'm not sure whether that time has passed, and that's why they need a big influx of cash and investor, and maybe that means they need to change things going forward. But um, it did catch a lot of people off guard, and maybe it shouldn't have because it was already in a tough financial spot, and then we entered a global pandemic. Yeah, you, you know, you think about the desperation that could sometimes drive action, though, and and, you know, I mean, we've had, I've seen the Save Our Stamps campaigns. I mean, I've, I've seen those in my lifetime. And, and so so I don't recall a Save the League. You know what I mean? Like, I think everybody, it was tough. Like, I, when they went and kind of asked for that, kind of some, to get propped up a little bit by the government. It, I mean, I understand it. Everybody's kind of in that line. That's a long line right now, right? So so you, so you, I'm with you there. And, and um, you know, have we explored all the options? Is this, um, you know, because that's a... I don't know. That's a dangerous path to me because, especially, I mean, I remember the the gold miners and the stallions and like that. That's just that's goofy. At least then it was still. I mean, at least we we're still playing CFL rules. But like it was like the no the all American roster versus the like it just. I'll tell you. I mean, there's some gimmicky things about the CFL. All of it I love, but when you get into that kind of stuff, it's it's a bit it's a bit odd. The one thing that I would imagine, and I think some people actually might even like this, um, and from a business sense, I think it might make sense. If you're getting in bed with the XFL, I think that we're going to see a season that has moved way up, um, you know, that's beginning in May. And, you know, the great Canadian football weekend of Labor Day weekend probably becomes Canada Day weekend. And you have all those, and you're essentially finishing the season around Labor Day 
when the NFL starts. And if you position yourself that way, where you're not competing with the NFL, you're not really competing with Canadian football, simply the interest in betting on football in a in a world where sports gambling is being legalized in state by state and here in Canada as well, I think maybe gives them an opportunity to compete and take advantage of, you know, more TV eyeballs, more sponsorships, those sort of things. But again, we're talking about, never mind the rules, just that timing of the season, a massive fundamental shift from what we're used to for an incredibly long time with the Canadian Football League. Yeah, and I don't mind that idea. Like, I, I know the, the commission mentioned that one of the, one of, you know, early on in the job suggested to bumping up the season. And it always, I've always thought that would be a good idea. It seems to me to be ridiculous to, to, play, a, to play a long season and then kind of have the, the marquee game often played in freezing cold temperatures and you know it's just it's not the showcase that it should be right so if you're going to go head to head with something you're worried about about smaller crowds and, and distractions well you know maybe have that be the early part of the season and not the marquee part of the season so I, i'm kind of with you there i think you can kind of build some momentum and really ha- kind of have it carry into i don't know what in your model what that looks like is that a great cup around thanksgiving or or what that looks like but um yeah i, I think there's opportunity there for sure no doubt. Darren Haynes is with us. Darren, by the way, um, you know, you mentioned curling a little earlier. There's going to be a lot of Manitobans tuning in tonight to see the final of that mixed event where we're guaranteed a couple Manitobans. Carrie Einerson could very well be there if they win this afternoon. Um, it certainly sounds like this curling bubble has been uh, a real success to the point that, you know, we're actually going to you know, allow our champions to compete for a world championship because they're just going to keep things going there in a bubble. Uh, I'm not sure how much you've, you've covered it or, or been around it, but uh Certainly seems like it's gone quite well, and man, is that important for curling in Canada? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad it, I'm glad it went well. Um, and, and at least it's given my parents something to do for the last month and a half. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, curling has got an audience in this country, doesn't it? And, Does it uh, ever? It's, it's 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 amazing. But yeah, I know. And, and you know, from a media perspective, I haven't. But my colleague, uh, one of my colleagues with Canadian Press, Donna Spencer, she she covered um, the Scotties. And uh, but yeah, it was again like we're covering hockey, you know, very much a remote experience, and um, so it, it's different that way. But they found a way to keep things going. Um, it's, it's such a great viewing audience for that, and and that's still when it comes back to CFL, I still think wow, they're just gonna like would that not win some eyeballs to get that product out going right now? Like it's I get that the gate is huge, but but there's still TV, there's still there's still interest out there, and. Um, Anyway, so so yeah, I, you know I I'm I'm not the curling insider, know to speak, but I I do know that um, yeah, it seems to go really smoothly, and and I think as as athletes, they, I think they're all struggling with the lack of of, of, of atmosphere, right? Like I've talked, I was talking about that with, with someone the other day, going back to you know at, at the saddle because I'm at the saddle for the Flames games, and early in the season it was so dead, but now you see the players, they are making a point of generating noise there will be a just a, a a block shot or or something that's um just kind of a, a minutiae event from a game and you see them up on their st- on the standing up banging their sticks like they're trying to create and so i i think the players athletes whether your sport whether it's curling whether it's hockey uh, i think you're missing that part of it and um and even if it is in smaller doses i certainly can't wait to to getting a little bit of crowds back because i think even just me as a baseball fan just hearing the players in spring training talking about playing against in front of fans again. It's just, it's, 
it's energizing for them and every the level will come back up and i'll tell you boy won't that be a great day when when people can go to games again and you have that experience and i don't think players will ever take that for granted again Amen to that. Um, fans have certainly, they've missed our money, uh, but they've also missed everything that fans bring to professional sports and uh, it cannot come soon enough. Darren, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate the uh, you joining us. Um, we'll look forward to these games on the weekend and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon sometime. Yeah, sounds good. Look, yeah, it's, it's like a little, little mini playoff series again. Three gamer, so it should be fun. <laughs> thanks so much. There he is, Darren Haynes from the Canadian Press. Give him a follow on Twitter. Um, you know, been so good to us over the years, joining us from Cowtown to talk about what's going on with the Jets and the Flames or the Stampeders and the Bombers. Um, just one of the real good guys in the industry. So uh, really do appreciate him joining us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right. Oh, man, we've got great action in the chat. Thanks to everyone that's throwing in comments, throwing likes on the YouTube channel as well. And if you're listening to us on the podcast feed, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, do us a favor if you can. Go to uh, where uh, in the feed, give us a five-star rating, and uh, maybe just write a little review that you're enjoying the show. Certainly that uh, that really helps us as well. Let's get Michael Remus back in here because we do have some other things to talk about. Remo, um, great job working through whatever issues we had. Uh, have you been able to pay attention to the ticker on the NBA trade deadline? Is Kyle Lowry still a Raptor right now as we get to the top of the hour? Yes, uh, Kyle Lowry, still a Raptor, uh, is what we've seen so far. And Norm Powell traded earlier today to Portland, and the Raptors did just trade uh, Terrence Davis to the Sacramento Kings. So uh, we are still we are still waiting to see uh, what happens, but those are... Uh, is, is the deadline at 2 or 3? I don't even know. But uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 2 our time. So, I mean, okay. we're essentially right now... Now, I'm not sure whether this is like the NHL deadline where people have to get something in and then Woj breaks it later on, but he did say... I mean, the, the Raptors traded Matt Thomas to the Utah Jazz for a future second-round pick. That's essentially clearing space. Woj did offer... Deal opens a roster spot to take on an additional player in a Lowry trade. Raptors continue talking to teams on deals within 45 minutes of deadline. Thomas gives the Jazz another in an endless line of three-point shooters on the team. And uh, Raps finally did end that losing streak. Um, but, man, it, you know, this is not just trading any veteran player. I mean, Kyle Lowry has really turned into the heart and soul of that team, the greatest Raptor of all time, and the guy that, you know, is synonymous with that championship. And, um, you know, if you do move Kyle Lowry, you're sort of, you know, completely turning the page on the golden era of Raptors basketball. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, um, it's kind of sad the way that it's gone. They won that championship, and the next year, which was last year, you know, we had the weird bubble season and this year has been tough I mean they're not playing in Toronto so they're kind of you know behind the eight ball like that um, they did have a COVID situation so the team was shut down and you wonder how that is affecting players as well so uh, it's been a kind of tough they had they went deep last year but it didn't quite didn't quite happen but you know since they lost Kawhi you thought uh, you know they'd be okay kind of Siakam was the big disappointment last year in the playoffs and this year again being in Tampa and all you know, all that's going on. I think it takes a toll, and we'll see if they can do a slight retool. But it seems like Kyle Lowry's still on the Raptors, and yeah, I mean he's been a legend for the franchise for uh, a number of years, you know, helping them win the championship. For, you know, franchise player. So uh, it seems like a different day. Maybe we can touch base uh, on that next week once we're uh, you know yeah, through this j- one. 
No, absolutely. And um, and all I'll say is this. If it does work out, I mean, I get the argument that, you know, move Kyle Lowry for futures. Let's think about the future. But at the same time, he can still play. He's such an important part of the club. And if they decide to keep him around and have him retire a Raptor, um, I think as a Raptor fan, I'd be uh, I'd be more than happy with that. Um, now, shout out to G- Gityar and some of the other guys in the chat that have filled us in. I guess the government of Canada has approved the switch for the quarantine to seven days. Now, I, I won't get into, I don't yeah. know who this affects, how many people this affects. Bottom line is it seems like it affects the NHL players. So that is wonderful news for teams like the Winnipeg Jets that are right now in the market to potentially add a player from one of the U.S.-based teams in and around or before the deadline. Yeah, Darren Dreger just tweeted this 10 minutes ago. NHL source confirms David Cochran report the 14-day quarantine period in Canada has been reduced to seven days with testing. This will help NHL clubs navigate trades with U.S.-based teams leading up to the April 12 trade deadline. So that is absolutely huge. You know, maybe uh, NHL GMs now feeling less pressure to make a trade right away. I'm sure they've been in communication with the league and with the government trying to figure out, okay, is this going to happen? Because we're saying, okay, Chevy, you know, the deal deadline's coming up soon because you really have, I mean, what, are you going to make a trade on April 12 and you have to wait two weeks? So... Maybe they'll make it a week before, you know, if you're a GM, I would say start moving now and then, you know, you want to make the trade sooner than later. But uh, I think it does give you some time saying, okay, if, you know, even if you do make a trade on April 12th, it's only a week, uh, you know, quarantine, not the two weeks. Because you saw what happened to Dubois. He definitely was a bit rusty. Um, he got injured. But it seems like he's going pretty well now that he's matched up with Ehlers and Connor. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about that. But, you know, the four, the, moving from 14 to 7, so much better for the players involved and, you know, obviously the teams as well. So that is something that we will pay attention. Hey, one of the other things, Reem, we should mention, and I know some folks have mentioned it in the uh, in the chat, back to last night's game. And we talked about Hellebuck. We talked about the four goals. We did not talk about Logan Stanley's first career NHL fight. And it was quite interesting. He was asked about it afterwards. And... Uh, you know, I think it was Freezer asked him, you know, what, what spawned this? And, you know, he said, bah, I thought we were maybe a little bit flat in the first period, thought I'd sort of try to get the boys going. And he had sort of a sly smile that he was more than happy to do that. And he literally said, almost kind of maybe publicly telling Paul Maurice, I'm willing to play this role. Um, like, I'm not a huge fighting guy. It's not, to me, something that determines a lot of games. However, in a season like this, as the... Um, the rivalries get cranked up, and we have seen an increase in fighting. Having a big like guy like that that is willing to stand up is for his teammates if need be, not a bad thing. And I think uh, a, a smart career move, if you will, for uh, the big six seven defenseman. Yeah, well, the guy who, that who he replaced in the lineup, Nate Beaulieu, would frequently drop the gloves for the Jets. He led the team in fights last year. So, you know, maybe they felt the team was missing that element. You know, he fought... Zach McEwen, I mean, what does, sometimes I'm like, well, what does these two guys, you know, a third pair D and a bottom, you know, six forward fighting, like, what is that doing? But maybe it helped them, maybe it sparked the team. And again, Logan Stanley, he's a massive guy. And uh, if, you know, if he learns how to chuck knucks uh, the right way, he can definitely be an intimidating force out there. So uh, maybe that's something, I, you know, something you can keep an eye on. 
uh, Logan Simon. We always remember Chara fighting guys. That's what I think of, and uh, just how intimidating it is going up against a guy of that size. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And um, listen, I don't think he's going to be a heavyweight that's going to be out dropping the gloves each and every night. But um, you know, if you if you do think that that is needed at times, doesn't mm-hmm. hurt to have a guy that's six seven willing to do it uh, if need be. Um, thanks to Mitch, just tip me off. Just checking the woes right now. Raptors are keeping Kyle Lowry, source tells ESPN, mm-hmm. and it sounds like Lonzo Ball will not be traded from the New Orleans Pel- Pelicans. And, you know, you got to feel good for Victor Oladipo. He's getting out of Houston that just lost 20 games in a row, and he's heading to the playoff-bound Miami Heat. So, um, you know, essentially, we could just sit here reading Woj's Twitter feed all afternoon with the updates, but you could probably do that yourself. I'm sure they'll have a big wrap on everything happening in and around the deadline as um, we get through into uh, all the highlight shows coming up. Let's get to our daily lines for CoolBet.com. Um, what do we got today, Reem? We've got the uh, Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa on a bit of a heater after uh, taking care of the Calgary Flames. Leafs have been off for a bit. Ottawa plus 244. Leafs a heavy, heavy favorite at minus 303. Um, interesting matchup later on. I think I'll probably check out some of this game tonight. Minnesota at St. Louis. Um, the Blues plus 112. Minnesota is minus 132. Um, and we've also got Chicago and Florida. Florida minus 28, Chicago plus 108 as an underdog. And definitely the game of the night tonight, Reem, in the National Hockey League. Top two teams in the West. The Avalanche at home, minus 169, hosting the Vegas Golden Knights at plus 142. Late start, 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., I guess. And uh, tell you what, that should be one heck of a game between uh, two teams that we expect We'll um, figure out in a best of seven who advances out of that division into the NHL's Final Four. Yeah, I, I agree. Maybe take Vegas just as an underdog. I mean, they are leading the division. I know they're on the road, but uh, Vegas has been awesome. Uh, they are two points ahead with a game in hand on Colorado, so why not go with uh, go with Vegas on that one? Maybe we'll tune in there. Blues Wild. I think Blues, they're kind of stepping back a bit. I, I do like Minnesota. And we'll see. I mean, can someone someone uh, in chat was asking if the Pittsburgh's going to win? They're playing Buffalo again. Smoked them yesterday. It's going going pretty rough for Buffalo. It's also going rough for the Flyers, who are up against the Rangers. And I'm just having flashbacks to the Rangers nine spot last week uh, on the Flyers. So those are a couple games games tonight. And of course, the Canadian Division Leafs and Sands. I think the Leafs team implied goal total was like four and a half when I looked earlier. So expect <laughs> Might be a lot. taking the over tonight. Yeah, I don't think Ottawa's going to win three in a row, but uh, I've been wrong before about them. Hey, speaking of the um, cool bet lines, Winnipeg Jets fan, who's our first super comment or whatever that's called, asked, what's the betting line on Sunday's NASCAR race at Bristol on the dirt? Well, Winnipeg Jets fan, let me tell you, the Food City Dirt Race is up on coolbet.com. Uh, Kay Larson is the heavy favorite at plus 220. Then you've got C. Bell, 6-1. Dylan, 10-1. Briscoe, 10-1. Um, Chase Elliott, there's my guy. He's at 14 to 1. Um, but yeah, just go to uh, check out motorsport at coolbet.com and get to all of those. And Remo, I've got to give a big thanks to our pal Ryan Brandt, who will be back on the show sometime soon. Um, ever since I picked Ruwiki's Flyers on the lock shop on Tuesday, I have been, you know, finding incredible ways of losing bets. A perfect example last night with the Hellebuck shutout with, you know, 90 seconds left when it was 5 nothing. So, but Ryan Brandt provided me a three-game winning World Cup qualifier parlay yesterday. (laughs) 
So um, with Canada playing today, by the way, Canada's playing Bermuda. You can't even bet on Canada. They're that much of a big favorite. You can bet the spread uh, and the over-under. Alfonso Davies will be in the lineup. That should be awesome. But Ryan has given us a four-game parlay for some of these other games today. We've got Haiti in regulation over Belize, El Salvador over Grenada, Trinidad and Tobago over Guyana in regulation. And again, that is a, that's minus 145. That's probably the shortest number. And then Panama over Barbados. Put those together, plus 157 on the four games. As I said, Ryan delivered three winners yesterday. Hopefully four winners today. And um, I may have to have a seance or something tonight, depending on what happens to get ready for tomorrow's lock shop. But uh, all the lines are available at coolbet.com. And uh, check our Twitter feed every day. We put out the daily lines with a link you might want to lo- use. So uh, check that out. And Rima, you know, it's a great time to remind people that, you know, as much as many people are checking out us out on YouTube, they're watching or they're listening to what we're doing on the podcast. Um, we've got a lot of great content from the show that you've been doing a great job pumping out on all of our social media channels and certainly looking to grow our, our following on Facebook and Instagram especially. Yeah, we're closing in on uh, 900 followers Insta. I think we just hit 400 on Facebook. So if you're on the YouTube, just go to the description. The link's in there. Uh, Sports Talk WPG on all, all platforms. So uh, give us a follow. It would be a huge help. And if you see any of our posts, uh, like it or share it, You know, retweet. All that is uh, is much appreciated. We we can't believe you know everyone in chat had over 300 people in here pretty much the whole time. Uh, this has been awesome, and I want to apologize. I have screwed up a couple times uh, <laughs> navigating things with Brandon, and then I accidentally while you were giving a shout out uh, for that super chat, I kind of took you off and accidentally put Darren in, and people are like, "Who's who's that guy taking over <laughs> Huss's spot?" So uh, I, I apologize uh, for all the technical errors today. I, I'm too I got two strikes on me. So I won't. I, I'll be it's perfect not three, the rest though. of the way. Not three. Not, not not three though. Well, you know what? Maybe everyone was too preoccupied with um, tech screw ups, and um, no one, as Roger Quenville has mentioned, no one has mentioned firing the coaching staff today. So uh, maybe it's just a special day in the chat here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. People pumped about the game and looking forward to this weekend, Reem. You know that conversation we had with Darren was awesome. I mean, he's always a great guest and has great insight on that Calgary Flames team and. Um, I I am fascinated to see what we get out of Calgary tomorrow because I think the Jets are going to be in a good spot, but you would have to imagine if there is any fight left in the Calgary Flames, we will see it tomorrow night coming off those two losses to the Ottawa Senators really with any reasonable playoff hopes hanging in the balance of this three-game series against the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, you would have thought that last game against Ottawa. There's no way. We said yesterday, there's no way they're losing back-to-back against Ottawa, right? They have to find something. Well, they came out and they uh, blew it in the third period. So, again, I don't know what's going on. You think they have some talented players. They played well uh, last year against the Jets in the playoffs, and they had got off to such a great start. You know, They made the offseason signings, uh, Chris Tanev, uh, Jacob Markstrom. But uh, I don't know. They can't put it together. Uh, gone through a couple coaches now. Uh, maybe Brad Treleving is going to have to make some moves at the deadline to do a bit of a retooling. Yeah, I mean, I think many of us thought that that might happen in the offseason, but they might be pushed, and who knows, it might be in the best interest of the franchise to do it at the deadline if they don't think that uh, the playoffs are in the future. Um, so we've got a big show tomorrow. Troy Westwood will join us, continuing our reunion week, and my old buddy Andy McNamara 
Andy Mack, of course, went and started to work at Sportsnet, so we couldn't have him on the show for the last year or so, but I still talk to him all the time. The The energy of Andy Mack, Remo, is infectious no matter what we're talking about. And, um, man, what a great way to finish up a really fun week with all the old 1290 boys or many of them coming on and the return of Andy Mack to the airwaves and the peg. Yeah, we did have. So we had Kevin O with the martini and the uh, baby Yoda. And then Brandon came with the hair and the romper. Like, I'm expecting Westwood to be, like, lying down, like, casually in bed, line style, like he has been on our old uh, work work Zoom. So we'll see. <laughs> People are expecting big things from Troy. People thought, I, someone wrote in the chat, uh, Sunshine Boy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. And I know Andy's going to talk fantasy. We did have one person in chat asking about fantasy. They want to know if they should drop Taylor Hall. And I was like, ah, I don't think you can. I think you got to. I know he's been not great. You got to hold out hope that he can maybe get oh. traded to a contender. But I mean, if you, I think you just got to hold on to him. If you pick Taylor Hall earlier in the season, you're probably screwed already. I mean, he's got two goals on the season, Remus, and the first one was like four minutes into the year. Yeah. I mean, he has literally produced nothing for the better part of this season, and. Man, you wonder what uh, you wonder just how bad things can get in Buffalo before they mercifully get to the off season. Speaking of Buffalo, though, um, you know what I'm doing tonight, Reem? the uh, The crack pack is back, and I am in a break for the new Upper Deck Series Two cards. Uh, I saw the Earl of yes. Eli, a loyal memory. I think he picked up like five boxes yesterday. I'm still interested to see. He's a big, big time collector. Um, it's going to be random teams, so I don't know. I usually am always hoping that I get the Jets, just because obviously I collect more Jets stuff than others. But then I realized, I looked at the checklist for the Upper Deck Series 2. There are no Winnipeg Jet Young Guns, no Winnipeg. It's like they just forgot to get to Winnipeg or something like that. There's still some Michael Burden inserts, um, but I thought there might be, uh, you know, another player or two from uh, Winnipeg, but it won't be there. The big, uh, the big catches in the Series 2 are the Kapril Kaprasov rookie oh. from Minnesota Wild. And I did see someone, I watched a couple streams last night on Twitch of people getting into them. Um, I'll tell you what I think will be, despite their season, uh, a guy with a very bright future, a Young Guns card you want to get if you're a collector, is Dylan Cousins in Buffalo with the Sabres. And, of course, the first ever Young Guns card of uh, Tim Stutzla of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, I was going to say Tim Stutzla will be the one. But now that you said Kaprizov, I was like kind of wasn't sure about Season 2. Everyone was so hyped for Season 1, trying to get the Lafreniere rookie. Uh, but now uh, Tim Stutzla is in Series 2, and Kaprizov, who I really like. So uh, maybe I will go pick up a pack of... Uh, I, I, I can't spring for the boxes. Uh, all my money's in uh, NBA Top Shot. Right now, don't have. Don't <laughs> what, have what's budget. up in the market, by the way? Let's just quickly finish the show yeah. with a little NFT update. Uh, what's going on? Uh, Top shot. It was. It exploded last month. It's kind of down. Still up overall. You know, uh, the Kyle Lowry trade intrigued me because I have a Series One Kyle Lowry Top Shot, and I want to know how a trade would affect his value. But I think if he stays a Raptor for the rest of his career, I think that I think that's good. <laughs> David F in the chat. I hear you, buddy. Uh, yeah, Hall already killed your team, probably. Yeah. I had the Sabres Pens game on TV last night, waiting for the Jets, and my God, was it depressing seeing the Sabres actually play. I actually popped down to uh, my local and uh, to grab something to eat and have a couple beers before the Jets game started, knowing that we couldn't stay throughout the game because of the public health order, and did watch the last couple periods and. 
uh, whatever, good win for Pittsburgh, but holy smokes. I mean, it's um, ah, it's just depressing. I got a lot of love for the people in Buffalo, and they certainly deserve a lot better than they're getting with the uh, – uh, getting with the Sabres right now. Um, Remo, excellent show and fired up to get it going tomorrow with uh, a big Friday edition to end our third week here. It's almost seeming like clockwork now here in Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, we're getting into the swing of things. The technical mishaps are becoming less and less, all still, but still... <laughs> Allegedly. Bit, yeah, but still a bit there. But we're figuring this out. We can get on the air. Uh, so we're always making improvements and we're always looking forward to uh, great shows. And uh, I love seeing everyone in chat a lot. A lot of familiar names so uh thank you everyone who's come out and chatted uh hit the like button that does help us out a lot so uh thank you everyone i'm looking forward to tomorrow finishing up the week we'll look forward to jets flames but also talk with uh troy westwood and andy mcnamara Yes, indeed. And a big thanks to uh, Winnipeg Jets fan, our first ever, what is that called again? Su- super Chat? Yeah, right? Super Chat. Yeah, Super Chat. He wanted to know about Assiniboia Downs, and you, uh, I cut you off We're before in. you got oh. to it. Oh, they didn't hear me. That was uh, one of the technical uh, mishaps. Well, listen, for your question, Darren Dunn will definitely be back. Already talked to Darren about doing something regular with us here. Uh, So cannot wait for racing season. Hopefully we'll all be able to go or at least space out in the dining room or get outside. I would think would make more sense. And, uh, And yes, as far as the NASCAR question goes, rumors abound the city that you may be seeing the Winnipeg Sports Talk logo on one of the cars at the Speedway. We'll be working on that in the meantime as well. Um, but anyways, listen, we got to thank uh, Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Boston Pizza Winnipeg. Call the Shot promo begins today. I just had the pizza flights. They're amazing. Check that out. Breezy Band Country Club. We're going to be starting our golf reports with uh, with them working. And of course, CoolBet.com. All right, for Michael Remus. Andrew Patterson here. Thank you all for joining us in YouTube. Everyone joining us on the podcast. Spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We appreciate the support from all of you. And we'll do it again tomorrow to finish off the week with Andy Mack and Troy Westwood right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, everyone. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.